Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Masked Llama, Andrew Liguori, Retro Overdrive, Ozzy Garcia, Keith Gasper, and Diskimera. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 114 of Retro Hangover. Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we weirdly, wizardly, wang, wrong, waffled wives with weevilness. This is episode 114 of Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with, as always, your host, Shane. Did not see that dick coming, At first, I wasn't entirely sure what the the Dick Dragon moniker this time has to do with the game that we're talking about today, but Mm. then I thought for a moment, and uh, I realized that it actually is quite apropos, because there were many times while playing this game that I just did not see some bullshit coming. You did not see that coming? Sure did not. Nope. I'm setting the tone for the rest of this episode. (laughs) There is no guest today, by the way. Mm. It feels so awkward. I, f- I feel naked. I know. It feels, it feels empty in here. Not in the good naked way, because normally when I'm naked, it feels great. But it's like a shameful naked. <laughs> but it's, it's fine. You know, you know, it's bad that we've gotten to a point now where like one of the first things I think of is I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Can we carry this show just with the two of us? <laughs> I know it's been so long. Like I was kind of looking forward to it because and we love our guests. Don't don't get me wrong. I sure. love having guests on here. I absolutely do. And I was like, oh, it'd be so nice just to have me and Shane on on here once again. And we could have like an hour long episode because like guests make it longer because you have a third person. But then sure. I realized how longer episodes were when it was just us. And I don't think it matters. Nope. I, I don't think it does either. Like at first I was just like, yeah, man, this is the Wolfenstein 3D. This will be. This will be a quick one. We'll get this wrapped up. Uh, I, I have a feeling yeah. that's probably not going to be the case. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, mm. you as the listener know you see that runtime. So, oof, you know, but but we have no idea. We're going in blind. It's a mystery. Yeah, it totally is. Because we are doing a review of Wolfenstein 3D, as you have seen. Good listener on your phone or whatever device you're using to listen to this. I think it's going to be at least an interesting conversation. I'm surprised Lyle didn't nominate this for a patron poll a lot earlier. This seems like a game Lyle would nominate. Mm. We, we made it here on our own. We, we have made it because it's the 30th anniversary, much like we never said about Kirby two weeks ago. I mean, I think we did. I'm pretty yeah, sure we did. Maybe we did at least once. Did we? I mean, maybe I included it in it. the subtitle of the episode, so that's good. Yeah. That's good. 
Good things are happening for the show, though. I know a lot of shows like to pitch their show at the beginning of the episode or whatever the case might be in their format. We typically don't. We typically wait till the end. But I just want to uh, thank our new patrons, uh, Big Pep 243, a.k.a. Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the Saturnian. And I have to say, praise Saturn. Yes, all three names belong to that one singular person. He also asked me to shout out to his homies in the military. And our also our new patron, Sam Wright. That brings us to 20 patrons. And good, that is amazing. Number. Yes. Thank you, everybody who is a patron for our podcast. I, 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 I just can't thank you enough. I can't. I don't have a big enough vernacular or I am not a good of enough of a speech giver to <laughs> express how thankful I am. Which is why we're on a spoken word format. Exactly. <laughs> I'm much. I haven't had I enough to drink yet. Speak the good. English. <laughs> Although, you know, 20 doesn't sound like a lot, you know, but listen, man, we're no we're no critical role. All right. So 20 nope. to us is a big deal. And each and every one of you count immensely. So we appreciate the hell out of all of you. See, that's what that's what happens. When you have a big vocabulary. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a patron, of course, like every single person that listens to the show. We we love all of you. You know, it's just the, the the ones that pay get extra love because that's capitalism, I guess. Uh, we, uh, speaking of love, <laughs> thank you yes. to Ireland and Portugal uh, because we looked at Chartable and I don't know how accurate Chartable is. I have no idea. But in Ireland, somehow we made it up to number seven and in Portugal, we made it up to number two. So if you're over there and you're listening to us over there in Europe, because we are not in Europe. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the show and putting us the, that high on the charts. Uh, it's that's incredible. I didn't think we'd be making it in countries where the first spoken language isn't English, especially over in Portugal. I know Ireland. Yes, it is. But you also have Gaelic. But yeah, I know primary Ireland. I should stop talking before I put myself in a <laughs> hole here. Uh, but thank you. I'm just honestly blown away that we managed to crack the top 10. Oh, yeah. Anywhere. Really? Anywhere. That's that's yes. crazy. So, yes, def definitely. Big thanks to everybody. Awesome. I guess that's enough of talking about us and and uh, the show and the success. So let's talk more about us and what we've been playing. Mm. So, Shane, what have you been up to? What have you been playing in the video game sphere? Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess Elden Ring, but I, I'll let you say it. Oh, well, that is a pretty, pretty good guess. That's exactly what I've been doing. It's pretty much just been a lot of Elden Ring, to be honest. I think, and you know what? Actually, I could check while we're talking about this because I have Steam up right now. I have about 91 hours played, according to Steam. And I'm fairly certain that I am maybe halfway through everything from kind of what I what I know about the game so far. So uh, there's a lot of content there. And, you know, I know I've gone on record a number of times as being the person that complains about like 80 hour RPGs because I just don't have time for that shit. And generally speaking, I don't. But when a game just like really grabs you, it doesn't feel 80 or 90 hours. And that's, that's kind of how I feel with with Elden Ring. It's certainly not perfect by any means. But as big of a Dark Souls fan as I am, I, I think I, I think this might be my new favorite. Granted, it's it's not exactly that far of a stretch, given that it's from soft and it's basically the same sort of formula just turned up to 11. But uh, 
But yeah, man, it's just, uh, it's really good. It's, it's got its hooks in me. So that's, that's most of what I've been doing. I've been kind of interspersing some other minor stuff in there, but, um, that is the vast majority of my, my game time these days. So, although Randall, one of our aforementioned patrons convinced me to watch the, the live stream reveal of the next wow expansion. And it was interesting. I don't know if it was enough to sell me on jumping back into that deep, dark hole. Probably not. But I think some of some of the enhancements and changes that they are purported to be making are, I think, things that the community have wanted for quite some time. So I'll 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 be interested to see how that turns out, possibly just from the sidelines, because like I said, I'm not I'm not sure that I want to get involved in that again. Are you sure? What about Final Fantasy 14, though? That's that's the real jam. Uh, I know that that's another that's another tough one, especially since at the time of this recording, they just released, I believe, a new patch that allows for you to basically solo dungeons with an AI party. So like if you don't have the time to like mess around with getting groups together for stuff and you just want to do the dungeons to like see the content and whatever They've put this entire AI party system together to do exactly that, and it conforms to whatever role your character happens to be. So that's, I'm not going to lie, that's pretty enticing. But uh, again, I just, it's live service games, man. Like, I just, I don't have enough time to sink into those like I used to. I mean, it's bad enough that Diablo 2 just had its patch drop with a bunch of new changes. And the latter season is starting in about a week from the day that we're recording this. So like that in and of itself is probably going to eat up some of my time. Wow. Yep. It's just it's too, too many good things going on and not enough time to experience them all. That's unfortunate. It is. Yeah. I mean, you, you say you don't have enough time, but you just put 91 hours into Elden Ring. <laughs> well, yes, that to the detriment of pretty much playing anything else like i've still i still have a bunch of shit like on my 3ds like i had started doing uh radiant historia i mentioned that i think last episode and i think i, you did. I have not picked that up since the last time i mentioned it <laughs> and then of course the ever-present steam backlog so you know yep can only do so much at once ever eternal true but uh, but what about you what, what have you been diving into lately i started playing and completed east four mm. the dawn of east which is one of four east games i thought it was three because i made a review for our patrons for the game and i said there's three east fours no there's four east fours that's not confusing no not at all uh, i played the one for the turbo graphics cd and it's a good i think it's a good game if you liked east one and two east four is fantastic so shane like you know uh, but i think that. <laughs> If you you like those early CD games from the early 90s, I think this game came out in 93. It very much has that atmosphere. Uh, the music is of that era. The The graphics are a little underwhelming, but some of the cutscenes are some of the best of the 16-bit uh, CD era. I had a blast with it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the fan dub was made by, by a group called Burnt Lasagna, at least the one I'm seeing from like romhacking.net. They did a fan dub, redubbed all the voices because the game never came out in the United States. 
and they did such a fantastic job, such a labor of love. Yes, it's it's you can tell they're amateurs and it's not perfect. But when you're getting a product that is made by fans like you're getting an East four, you got to love it. You got to appreciate it, especially when it's a game as high a quality that as that. Of course, if you like bump combat, if you don't yeah, need not apply. But I do. And I had a great time. And that review will be coming to our patrons at some point as part of our RHP Turbo series. Sweet. Speaking of games that came out right around 1993 ish. Oh, yeah. Early 90s were an interesting time. Yes. A lot of things were happening. They sure were. One of those things happens to be Wolfenstein 3D, which consequently is what we're here to talk about today. So in, in what might be the least amount of waffling we've done on this show in quite some time, um, I, I guess we, I guess we might want to just get right into that history, huh? I guess so, Shane. So with why don't you take it away? Because first person shooters are your thing. I, mm. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, I hate them. So <laughs> I think Shane is best equipped to give a brief history on Wolfenstein 3D. Most discourse around the origins of the first person shooter tends to gravitate to a singular landmark title, Doom. A game so influential and, dare we say, iconic, that any similar game released in the decade to follow would be simply referred to as a Doom clone, by gamers and journalists alike. Despite Doom's juggernaut status in the gaming space, most of us were well aware this was not the first true FPS. Hell, it wasn't even the first FPS to be developed by id Software, the team behind the Space Marine shoot-'em-up. More than a year prior, another game had been making waves for its unique presentation and gameplay that many gamers had never seen before. A game where all you saw was the gun in your hand and the countless Nazis you'd be slaughtering with it as you navigated a three-dimensional environment with but one goal in mind. Destroy Mecha Hitler. A game called Wolfenstein 3D. In late 1990, a group of scrappy developers calling themselves Ideas from the Deep had just finished wrapping up Commander Keen in Invasion of the Vorticons for programming studio Softdisk. Soon after the release of Keen, Ideas from the Deep was looking to strike out on their own and form their own independent programming studio. As a result, id Software was born. One member of the newly founded dev shop, John Carmack, decided to start experimenting with rendering 3D graphics. This type of presentation had, up until then, primarily been used by flight simulator games like Wing Commander, but Carmack wanted to leverage the technology to create a faster, more action-packed experience. The following year, Carmack began devising his own game engine that would be capable of rendering 3D spaces within the confines of your average home computer's hardware limitations. With optimization at the heart of his efforts, Carmack began by designing the engine to only render flat walls associated with a grid system. He would further streamline this by implementing what may be considered an early form of occlusion, that is, instructing the engine to only calculate and render the objects currently visible to the player rather than the entire area at once. In a mere six weeks, 
Carmack went from writing his first lines of code for the engine to releasing a game built upon it, Hover Tank 3D, in April of 1991. Its software would soon refocus on developing a follow-up to Commander Keen, or at least most of id software. Carmack had other ideas. He was far more interested in continuing his work with Hover Tank 3D's engine, in hopes of taking it even further. Drawing inspiration and notes from Ultima Underworld The Stygian Abyss, Carmack added texture mapping to his flat, grid-like engine and, once again, in a matter of only six weeks, made another game with the engine. In November 1991, Catacomb 3D, a fantasy first-person game, would see release and, subsequently, catch the eye of Apogee Software founder Scott Miller. Miller was intrigued by Carmack's efforts, but wanted a game with a larger scope and an equally sizable helping of action. An initial proposal came from id Software's Tom Hall, who suggested the game should focus on aliens in a sci-fi environment with the working title of It's Green and Pissed, which also happens to be a reference to The Thing. However, fellow programmer John Romero suggested they remake the 1981 game Castle Wolfenstein, a maze-like stealth shooter that they all felt would work well with the engine's design. Romero proposed that the game be simple and fast-paced to entice more players, as he felt a slower and more complicated game just wouldn't catch on. Romero would start with the simple concept of mowing down Nazis, with no-nonsense weapons and an overabundance of violence. Carmack did his typical wizardry and designed the core of the game's engine in under a month, adding support for doors and decorative objects from Catacomb 3D. Level design would be decidedly labyrinthine, with Romero and Carmack drawing most of their inspiration from Pac-Man, of all places, so much so that the game would include an easter egg homage to the yellow pellet muncher. As the title was nearing completion, eventual publisher FormGen told id Software that they were concerned over the game's high level of violence and shocking content. id Software addressed these concerns swiftly and immediately in true 90s fashion by adding more of it, such as corpses, bloody walls, screams and cries of your dying enemies, an instant replay feature called the Death Cam that would show boss death animations in slow motion, and the Nazi party's anthem song playing on the opening screen. On May 5th, 1992, Wolfenstein 3D would see its first chapter released by Apogee Software via Shareware, where the game is released for free in hopes of spurring more sales, with all three chapters being available via mail order. Evidently, something about Wolf 3D resonated with gamers of the era. Roughly 4,000 copies a month were being sold, far exceeding both id and Apogee's expectations. This stellar commercial performance would also earn the game the top shareware title of 1992. And while the game itself has sold 250,000 copies by 1995, a figure that's generally accepted to include its expansions Nocturnal Missions and Spear of Destiny, 
It was estimated that over 1 million shareware copies had been distributed worldwide in that same time frame. Unsurprisingly, the game was also a critical success, garnering several Game of the Year awards from various computer gaming magazines. The Super Nintendo, Jaguar, and 3DO would also see ports of the game, with many reviewers receiving the titles well, despite poor sales. Wolfenstein 3D was just the beginning of a long-running franchise that persists to this very day. The series includes 2001's Return to Castle Wolfenstein, a free-to-play multiplayer title Enemy Territory in 2003, a loose sequel in 2008 simply dubbed Wolfenstein, and more recently the combined efforts of Bethesda and Machine Games in 2014's Wolfenstein The New Order and its several sequels and spin-offs. Though it may feel as though it was quickly overshadowed by Doom's runaway success, we would be doing Wolfenstein 3D a grave disservice if we didn't recognize that, for a brief time, it defined for many what the first-person shooter was, and set the stage for what it was to become. And that is your brief history of Wolfenstein 3D. I have to say, I love Id's approach to criticism over <laughs> games being too violent. Yeah, the uh, fuck you, let's put more bodies in it approach. I love it. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, we're kind of worried. There's this game called Mortal Kombat and Night Trap, and they're really making politicians like pissed. What can we do? Add more. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, let's let's make even people more pissed by putting the Nazi Party's anthem on the opening screen. Like, I mean, what what were they thinking? It's the <laughs> what were they thinking? I mean, it's what were they thinking? <laughs> uh, the AVGN references never get old. <laughs> no, I mean, it's thematically appropriate, right? So that that's a I mean, you're, justification. you're killing them. <laughs> sure. Which is good. It's yeah, never mean, a bad thing. But. True. Yes. And honestly, this was kind of what id software would quickly become known for as as time went on. In retrospect, it maybe overall feels a little edge lordy, a little a little a little hot topicy at times because they definitely pushed towards that quite often, actually. But that was the point. And then I think it hit peak cringe when John Romero put out full page ads in gaming magazines claiming that he was going to make you his bitch with Daikatana, and then that failed miserably. I'll <laughs> 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 we'll talk about that someday. But uh, no, please. No, <laughs> there you go, Lyle. If you want to make us play uh, a bad game, put Daikatana up for patron vote. Unless like someone else puts up a really obscure but beloved Japanese game, you know, mm. that could always happen. Too. I mean, that could happen I mean, <laughs> theoretically, you know, uh, we're getting too much into the into the inside jokes here. <laughs> yeah. So as we are wont to do. We uh, we'll we'll kick this off with our our personal experiences. So Chris, yo, I feel like I I probably know, but for 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 the mm. listeners at home, what what was your personal experience with Wolfenstein 3D? I actually remember playing it. I huh. don't know if I played it on the PC or if I just played it on the Super Nintendo. I knew about it for mm. certain because I know when it came out the Super Nintendo, I thought it was a pretty big deal. Because I 
didn't I may have had a computer that was capable of playing Doom. I just don't remember playing it on my computer. It, computers were a different beast back then for anyone who wasn't in computer gaming in the early 90s. You had to be fairly competent with computers. And I think I may have had a Mac, too, at this time. Mm. So I definitely was not getting most of the software that most people would be getting. Or I just maybe wasn't just playing games on computer at all at that time. I have no idea. But I do remember playing the game. I will say that if I played the game on PC, I probably played it at a friend's house. But I think a lot of those memories may be attributed to Doom because I think aesthetically they can get mixed up a little bit if you're going on a long enough timeline. Definitely not on a short enough timeline. Definitely not. We will definitely talk about that. But I do specifically remember renting it from Blockbuster for the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I remember not having horrible opinions of it at the time because I think just the concept of a first person shooter back then was so novel. And being able to play a game like Wolfenstein 3D, just being new, just being fresh, that that was just cool idealistically altogether. I think that we kind of talked about why Doom stormed the world the way it did when it came out. And to an effect, so did Wolfenstein. It, it caught fire. It, I mean, I we do have to say this game does deserve a lot of historical praise before we get into many greater details and and probably don't make it sound like that but like this game was <laughs> significant you're saying yeah. shitting on it yes <laughs> very politically this game was a big deal and i do definitely remember it is what i'm trying to say but shane i can imagine you probably actually did play this at least slightly extensively during your time so <clears throat> in what i am sure is a surprise to most of our long time listeners especially given my penchant for the boomer shooters, as apparently they are now known. Boomer. Yeah, I still hate that. But anyway, I actually didn't play Wolfenstein 3D until much later, probably very late 90s or, or even early 2000s. Mm. You know, it's, it's kind of in line with what I mentioned in the brief history, frankly, that Doom just kind of overshadowed this game, like completely. Uh, yes. I mean, Doom came out only, what, a year later? Yes. So that's, that's I think that's what you were kind of hinting at with the timeline thing, but uh, there wasn't a lot of time between these two, and as soon as Doom came out, man, it changed the game. No pun intended, but as far as FPS games on the PC are concerned, during this time frame, like mid-90s-ish, it was, it was, it was pretty much Doom. It was all Doom. I, I knew about Wolfenstein 3D, but after having played Doom and then kind of seeing like screenshots of it or, or whatever, uh, I actually kind of wasn't that interested in playing it, if I'm being honest. Fair. I mean, how do you go back, right, from, from something like Doom? And so it took me a while. And then eventually, you know, I came around and I was like, ah, I, should, I should probably try this. You know, I never really did. And, and, you know, so I finally gave it a shot. But yeah, I kind of gave this one a a total miss back in the day so hmm. yeah history doesn't repeat but it rhymes <laughs> sure does so speaking of of rhyming and other wordplay let's let's just jump right into the, the plot and writing of wolfenstein 3d such as it is so i'll go ahead and kick this off we'll, we'll give some background for for the folks at home essentially wolfenstein 3d at least the original release, which is really kind of what we're going to focus on here today, is divided into 
three episodes. So you get Escape from Castle Wolfenstein, Operation Eisenfaust, and Die, Führer, Die. That's your primary trilogy of episodes in the game. It's a very similar structure to how Doom... Hold on. But, hmm. Are we sure this isn't a Sideshow Bob thing where it's D Fuhrer, D? <laughs> I mean, it could be a, a, a double meaning, I suppose, but... I, I, I prefer Die, Fuhrer, Die, but I'm just saying, like, Sideshow Bob's evil, so he probably would think it's D Fuhrer, D. But, but continue. That's probably true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, also, just, I guess, quick side note, but that, that last episode title is also based on what would have been one of the original titles, I think, for Wolf 3D. It was either that or it was for Catacomb, one of the two. I was this mm. Something that popped up in my dig through information about this game, because I think it was supposed to be like Die Mutants Die or something like that. But anyway... Fun fact. Um, so that's your primary trilogy of episodes. Um, there's more that got released with like Nocturnal Emission. Or <laughs> See, I knew I was going to do that. I fucking knew I was going to say nocturnal that. Nocturnal farts. At least once I was going to say Nocturnal, nocturnal Emission because obviously that's what they were going with with the fucking name. So congrats, id Software. You did it. Hmm. Pat on the back all around. But anyway, Nocturnal Missions. And then, of course, there was Spear of Destiny, which was a whole other thing. But at any rate... Your protagonist, the one that you play as, is one William B.J. Blazkowicz, an American spy who is of Polish descent, hence them, I guess, getting away with Blazkowicz as as a last name. Mm -hmm. You are trying to destroy the Nazi regime from within, essentially. You were captured by by the Nazis, um, trying to find plans for Operation Eisenfaust, or Iron Fist, and you are imprisoned in Castle Wolfenstein. And so you must escape. That is the basic premise. And then by the end of episode three, you are hunting down and killing uh, Hitler, who happens to be piloting a mech suit with like of course four chain guns on it, because that's obviously a thing that happened historically. <laughs> so there you go. It's historically accurate. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, listen, we've talked about enough of these at this point that I think most people know with a lot of these early games, especially shooters, most of your plot, such as it is, is going to be found in your supplemental materials, right? Like your instruction booklets or stuff yes. like that. Like if you just jumped into Wolfenstein 3D without having read any of that, you really wouldn't know jack shit about most of this, uh, except for maybe the sort of static exposition dumps that you get at the end of each episode. But I mean, if we're being real about this, like it's not, it's not really what we're here for. Right. Like we're here for the, for the boom, boom and the Nazi killing. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about it? I actually think they, they pulled it off well for a game of this era. I think you look back in at, at 92 and what games were doing in general, as you said, and those exposition dumps at the end kind of establish what's going on even if you haven't read the instruction manual now if you didn't read the instruction manual you don't you don't know what the hell's going on in episode one of course because you don't know you're waking up in a prison that you got captured by the nazis and you're trying to escape uh because the first one i just think you're trying to escape from the castle of wolfenstein mm -hmm. but you get all this information at the end about what's going on now i will say because i we both played the good old game version yes of this game on i played on god galaxy I don't think it matters how you play it as long as you get it from Gog. But the one thing I will say about the plot and the writing that is in this game is that when you do complete episode one and two, boy, they didn't change anything in later versions because they're still trying to sell you the game. 
everything just never changed from this from the shareware. You get done with episode one and it's like, oh, by the way, you should play episode three where you get to kill Hitler. Just contact us and we can sell it to you. Like, guys, (laughs) you think in the past 30 years you would at some point, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe digital distribution wasn't that big uh, in, in 2002. So maybe by 2012, you could have made some alterations to the package that came out where you could have, I don't know had better text than buy our game. I nah, think man. it's a little weird. They're pres- we're preserving weird. the experience. Sure. I can appreciate that. There is room for appreciation, but I have to imagine that even came out the retail version in 1992 where they're telling you to buy the game after you bought the game. I can't imagine not knocking them for that. There, I, if there was a switch to say place, the shareware version or the retail version, I think the retail version should have swapped, but I still think they should have incorporated more of a narrative that wasn't like, hey, by the way, play Mission 3, and if you buy Nocturnal Missions, you can see what happened before Wolfenstein 3D. Like, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> what I mean, the fuck. The only thing I could think of with that, right, is that you have to remember that this was well before the time of post-release you know, patching and stuff being such such a commonplace. I, I agree. Thing. I agree. So yes. it could have been that you know discs were pressed and it was it was out the door, and they just never never bothered to to change anything. So okay, so laziness. They were lazy, like because this game was still selling in 1995. <laughs> I mean, they, I they guess were, they, were, they were packaging it with shareware versions of Doom. I'm sur- why why isn't that in in the episode ending like hey by the way did you enjoy doom you should buy that <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure doom was the same exact way i mean doom was also released as shareware i remember playing the shareware version of doom absolutely it was yes and the ending was the same thing as far as i recall i think the end text was just like you know here's all this little exposition shit and also experience the the next chapter of the doom story in episode two fucking blah blah whatever you know so i don't know i need to go back and play doom then although i do find it interesting that that's like a that's a very minor point that i feel like you've taken very personally (laughs) i'm taking very personally because in our notes it says plot writing and the Uh only writing in this game is in that exposition dump at the ends of the chapters and the chapter is telling me to buy the game and i already bought the game for like two bucks on good old games on a sale so why are you still trying to take my money, id? It's been 30 years. You need to get over this. This is not li- this is not a live service. I <laughs> I really just want to try to call or or mail whatever the the contact information for for the mail order stuff for this just to see like what happens. Probably nothing, but you know. John Carmack, I know you're not listening to this, but fuck you. <laughs> wow. So salty. I'm sorry. Don't take that personally. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> there's honestly, many more reasons to be salty. <laughs> say, honestly, I, I don't really think there's actually too much more to say. No, there's not really any writing other than those exposition dumps at the end of the episodes. Um, it's not like there's any fully voiced lines or anything. Um, we'll, we'll get into the, the voice clips such as they are in the sound area. But that's that's basically it. That's your that's your standard early early 90s boomer shooter plot is bad guys be bad you should kill all of them and you win that's essentially what we're looking at here you get to kill hitler you do which is always spoilers cathartic yeah yes 
With that out of the way, let's talk about what is probably the biggest chunk of the discussion, um, which is often the case, uh, the gameplay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to start because I feel like Chris is pr- is primed and ready to just dump some real thoughts on this one. So just to get out in front of it, I'm going to say in a general sense, you know, this is a very straightforward in concept. As far as your, your gameplay is concerned, you're moving through corridors and rooms. You shoot Nazis. You collect stolen treasure along the way. Uh, you get extra continues or lives for hitting certain point thresholds, which you gain points for doing various things in each of the levels, like collecting said stolen treasure or finding secrets or finishing the level under a certain par time. And the percentages of kills and secrets found and treasures collected, as well as the time it took you to finish the level, are all tallied at the end of each one of these levels, if you happen to care about that sort of thing. As far as that's concerned, it it was probably a little different back then. When we kind of all had just the time in the world to explore every nook and cranny of a game. But I will say that nowadays, the notion of just walking around and spamming the interact key on every single barren wall in every single level in hopes of finding a secret door that is in no way marked differently than any other wall is just beyond exhausting. And so as such... I kind of didn't give a single fuck about most of these completion percentages. I just wanted to get through the levels. It's the same argument that I had with Doom because Doom did the same exact thing as much as I love that game. So, Chris, tell, tell me, tell me, what do you think? Because I, I have a lot of other thoughts, but I feel like you want to say some things. So I guess, I mean, this is going to have to be broken up because I essentially have a novel of mm. uh, the gameplay here. Fucking Christ, dude. Uh, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I am glad I turned 21 and drank enough to forget how first person shooters played in the early 90s. I will say that because look, did I keyboards had to have not had a Windows button back in 92 because Windows was I don't even think 3.1 was out in 92. I don't fucking know. I don't care, but I don't think they had a Windows button. So I can understand like them putting control as the shoot button and, you know, the arrow keys and the space button and all that shit. I, I get it. Right. You didn't know any better back then. It was it was a novel effort. The arrow keys controlled all. But guess what? Today it's complete and utter dog shit. It doesn't fucking work. (laughs) And if you think you think that things can get better if you attribute it to the mouse, because the first thing you think when you attribute it to the mouse and you try controlling that way is, oh, this is better until you realize that it's like a trackball. If you want to move forward, you have to keep like pushing it forward and moving it back and pushing it forward and lifting it up. And you get the idea. It sucks. Yep. There's no perfect default control method. They are all terrible, all equally terrible. If you have played a first person shooter since Alien Resurrection or Halo, it's none of them are good. None of them are good. I I would say that like the PlayStation version of Doom trounces this. And look, I get it. This is 92. This is one of the first first person shooters. This is learning, adapting, creating new things. But today it's trash and you can go get your mods and you can make it better and you can. Uh, It it won't let you start a new game if you happen to save and realize this sucks. But I've played five levels and I'm going to start with this mod and it says, no, fuck you. You have to start a new game. And I'm like, I don't want to. So you have to configure the controls to do something that can resemble a modern FPS, which I did do. Somehow, 
but it's still not exactly what you need to do because uh, strafing is pretty much non-existent or it's just inconvenient at the best. Wow. Wow, it's bad. Yeah. Wow, it's bad. Yep. So I had very similar thoughts about this. Um, Playing the game with just the stock control scheme just has not aged well at all. Uh, I, I went into this fully intent on experiencing it as it was presented in 1992. And I got through the first level and then I was like, well, fuck that. And went out and found a mod to fix the controls. I just, I could not bring myself to actually play this game from beginning to end using the arrow keys and control to shoot. And and I don't, I don't know how I did that before because I did like when I was a kid and I played doom for the first time, I played through and beat doom using that control method. And for the life of me, I have no idea how I managed that because it is just so awkward and it's, it's slow. which is weird for a game that's supposed to move fast. You do move fast, but the, the turning is what gets me turning with arrow keys. Just it's so slow by comparison and, and you can strafe by the way, but in order to do that, you have to hold an extra button and then press the left or right uh, arrow keys, which is just not super intuitive, especially given that we're so used to left and right, just being strafe by default now because who the fuck, turns with a keyboard anymore right and so i just want to i want to give a quick shout out to the ec wolf mod because that is the one i found and downloaded and worked beautifully um i was able to very quickly set up you know wasd for move and the mouse control worked absolutely the way that you expect it to it made the experience vastly superior than if i was going to try to play it with just the the baseline controls Chris, you mentioned this and like, so technically, yes, mouse aiming is actually supported by default in the game, but it it suffers from the same issue that a lot of other early FPSs. I mean, Doom notably, of course, being also just coming Mm -hmm. from the same developer had, which was something that is kind of known as look spring. And it's something that I mentioned when we were chatting about this in discord. And essentially what happens is if you enable the mouse, It not only controls where you, your character is looking, which is the primary reason to have it on in the fucking first place, but it also controls your forward and backward momentum, hence the spring in look spring. So if you push the mouse up, then your character walks forward and vice versa. I don't know if this was ever useful to anyone. Because I even back then and to this day, I still feel like that control scheme is awkward as fuck. And I've always hated it, even with like an old school track mouse ball. I don't I I don't know who used this. Um, And so it makes it unusable on both fronts because you can't really move forward and backward that well with the mouse. So it's just annoying. But then also it interferes with you being able to look left and right with the mouse. So I'm not really sure what it's accomplishing other than just being aggravating. So yeah, I think we're on the same page about about the controls. Again, you know, we we like to think of things in terms of when the game was released and at the time that's kind of the best that you had and obviously we didn't give a shit back then because we didn't know any better and we made do. Right. But yes. now, who who boy. I I can't do it. 
So the solution I did, if anyone wants to go back and not mod this game, and if you do go back, mod the game. But uh, <laughs> right off the bat, I'm just saying that. What I did is I used a, a combo. I used the mouse with the keyboard. Right. So. Um, and that's what I, I tried I mapped, to do, too. Yeah. It, it worked. And let me and let me say how it works, because strafe is mapped both to not control, but I think it's alt or shift. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, in order to move if you're using the arrows. But it's also mapped to the right click button, which, again, I didn't strafe that much because one of the benefits to this game is once you get used to the controls, it plays like a running gun doom shooter, which is really cool if like you get it down. But again, it takes time to do it. So I mapped forward and back to W and S while turn to A and D, most like we would do in modern era. But I mostly use the mouse to look around as my A and D and even to back up. It would just be my forward momentum would be completely controlled by W. And once I did that, that made the game a lot more playable. That still sounds horrible, though. <laughs> it's not as good. And that's why I'm saying like strafing, strafing, not being able to strafe with uh, left and right naturally takes a lot of the air out of this game. It just makes it that much less enjoyable. That's what if you go back and play this game, dear listener, that's what's going to be the hardest thing to adjust to is not being able to strafe by default. Yeah, that is going to be the hardest hurdle in order to play this game. And that is an anachronism. That's just how it was designed. They didn't see the use for strafing because you didn't have first person shooters at this time, it just wasn't a concept yet. The concept of strafe wasn't even there. I understand you had battle tanks, what, like years before the vector graphics game. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 You had that. I don't know if you could strafe in there, but it was like everything was like a so. tank. They, they thought of like in military terms, but it, it doesn't excuse the fact it doesn't control well today. Kind of moving on with the gameplay. Let's talk about these level designs. Oh, yeah. Because. While shooting Nazis is fun, and, and if, when you get the controls down, running and shooting them and just going bang, bang, and then running around the room and bang and everything like that, that's assuming they don't find you and hit you for major damage because that's always fun. The level design in this game is just the levels are massive. They're labyrinthine, as we said in the brief history, and they all look the same. Getting lost in this game is the expectation. You will get lost in these levels. They are not well designed and it's just, it's bad. It's so bad. And what's even worse is when you complete a level and it says the par for this level is three minutes and you completed it in nine. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Because you, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. I, I'm just going to start ranting if I talk anymore. So Shane, you jump in here. Yeah, well, see, a lot of a lot of those. And it's funny because a lot of reviewers back then when this came out referred to this as an arcade game, because in a lot of ways, it kind of is just in how it how it tracks those things like your percentage of, of kills and the secrets you found and how long it took you to beat a level, plus the, the point system that it has for, you know, gaining extra lives and, and whatever. So it is very arcadey in that way, and that's something that carried over to Doom and, and a lot of other games afterwards, mostly because they did it first, and so everybody was just trying to ape that. But yeah, I think the expectation is that you were to play this game over and over again 
and memorize mm. the level layouts and try to get below that par. I think that's what it's there for. And again, like I said, back then, I'm sure we probably had all the time in the world to do that. Um, now I could not be fucked to try to do that, but more power to you if you do. Uh, the other thing I will note, because this did have a pretty significant impact on my experience playing this game this time around, is the one other major thing that that EC Wolf mod included, besides just making the controls actually decent, is a an auto map. <laughs> so it includes That's useful. a mini map. Uh, yeah, which is supremely useful. Uh, because to Chris's point, there there is no auto map, um, as far as I understand it, built into base Wolf 3D. Fortunately, that would be something that would come with Doom, which is a a much welcomed addition to to the FPS genre. But this did not have it, and with arguably some less than stellar layouts of levels and a lot of levels going on for a lot longer than I think they probably needed to. It, it is very easy to just get lost. And that problem is compounded by the lack of diversity in the environments. And that's something that I'm going to talk more on. in I think the graphics section, because I think that that's the best place right. for it, but it does impact the gameplay as well, because when every hallway and every room just starts to blend together, there's, there's no landmark for you to sort of get your bearings when you're exploring these levels. And so it is exceedingly easy to just get completely turned around, especially when they start building the levels in such a way that they're purposefully like a maze. And in some cases, you have to find a hidden door in order to progress. There are a few levels that are like that, which in my opinion is kind of a dick move, but that's that's just my I didn't think they were that opinion. bad. I didn't think that was that bad when you needed to find the, the hidden doors to advance, because by, I think by that point is it's pretty well established. To the player, you need to find those doors, and it's pretty obvious where the, those doors are. And that's that's my opinion. I, I, yeah. I wasn't terribly offended by that. To to a certain degree, I, I don't know that that's one of the other gameplay mechanic things that I did want to touch on though is is I just I can't express how much I don't like hidden doors. <laughs> oh, I was going to get to that too, but before you, if you if you want to get to hidden doors. We can't. I just wanted to say that to your point about everything looking the same, I'm not going to touch on that because you already did. Yeah. The method I went through the levels in order to address how labyrinthine and maze like this game was, was taking the fun part, which was killing dudes. And even that, because the control scheme is so wonky that it's not necessarily uh, as fun as it could be. But it is one of the highlights that, like I said, once you nail down the controls, it is a highlight. But once you would kill the dudes, I would turn it into an adventure game. Because my primary purpose was to kill everything I could find and not necessarily explore the level. Just wander around aimlessly and see how many dudes were there so I could kill them so they didn't kill me. And then once everything was dead, then I would start to explore the level and try to memorize it so I could find my way out of it. And that for me was the key to beating this game. It wasn't and that actually takes a lot of the fun out. Because I feel like you said you had the auto map, but I wanted to more play it authentically. And if if I don't know where everything is, I, I want to know where things are. I want to know where the things are in the levels. But the enemies, because they hit so hard and dying is so penalizing, it's also pointless. And we can touch that on that in, in a minute, too. But dying is so penalizing that you don't 
want anything irritating you or getting in the way of you exploring and having to load up a save again, which is a pain in the ass in and of itself, that just getting everything out of the way and then saving makes this game far more tolerable. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting design choice, right? Because I, I feel like it's entirely antithetical to their whole driving force behind this, which was we want to make a more fast paced action oriented kind of game, which I think we can agree they did. I mean, especially if you're comparing to the relatively low action bar of like fucking flight simulators. Sure. It's completely antithetical because you run out, you run out of steam, right? Like part of what makes doom for the most part, because there are some areas of doom and doom Two that have this same exact problem. So they're, they're not exempt, but doom, what doom did better. One of the things that doom did better, the, the level design, it's a lot more intuitive than this game is. And as as soon as you hit that moment where you're not just progressing forward and mowing down Nazis and you suddenly have to stop and be like, shit, where do I go now? And start retracing your steps and getting lost. All of that momentum that makes the game fun is gone. Yes. And that's kind of a big problem, right? Because that's really what is driving most of the experience of this game is that sort of like adrenaline junkie high of like. I'm bombing around through these levels, shooting fools. And as soon as you have to start like meticulously backtracking and figuring out the one hallway that you missed, like it just deflates the whole experience and it, and it kind of sucks. It's like, I'm lost and I just want this to end. Yeah, please, please. Exactly. Please let it end. I mean, outside of that, there's a couple other things that I wanted to touch on with the gameplay. Uh, one of which is just talking about the difficulty levels. So the PC version of the game, which is what we're both talking about, there were obviously several different ports, but for the PC version, there were four difficulty levels, much in id Software's edgy fashion. The easiest one is, can I play daddy? The next one is, don't hurt me, uh, followed by bring them on. And then I am death incarnate. And so Mm. technically speaking, Bring them on is actually the default difficulty for the game. Yes. So that means there are two difficulty levels below that that are supposed to be easier. And and they are Um, for the record. I played on don't hurt me. I did not play on bring them on. So there's some differences to note between these that I that I wanted to bring up. So on the easiest difficulty, uh, the enemy damage that that BJ takes is actually divided by four. So it is severely reduced. Most enemies, including bosses, have much fewer hit points, and there are also fewer enemies that spawn in every level overall. Once you bump up to Don't Hurt Me, the damage and hit points, I think, are about normalized, but it has the same number of spawns as the easy mode. Bring them on being the default difficulty, rather. Even more enemies appear than in those previous two difficulty levels. And then if you were to go ahead and bump it up to Death Incarnate, you get even more. So suddenly these levels are just full of shit. I couldn't verify this, but I'm fairly certain that each one of these difficulty levels as they go up, I think the enemies also have higher HP pools and do more damage. Oh, wow. If they do more damage, that makes it a massive pain in the ass. I think they do, but I'm not 100% on that. I do know that there are more spawns because that's definitely been proven you can you can look up the right the maps for that the other part i'm not i'm not sure on but 
I played on Don't Hurt Me because it wasn't Can I Play Daddy, first of all. Same. It felt kind of, honestly, it felt like the right difficulty to play this on. Because even on this difficulty level, which apparently is not supposed to be the normal difficulty, uh, I ran into some weird things with the enemies in this game where it felt like the damage was very erratic and very spiky. I said the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Where like suddenly you'd be like, you get shot by a dude and you'd be like, oh, I took like six damage. Well, that that sucks. And then at another time you'd get shot and you'd be like, well, I guess I got shot directly in the face because I took like half my health in one hit. And as that happened, I realized I think I knew what was going on. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's interesting. (laughs) And that is that the damage is scaled based on how far away you are from the enemy. So if you are like across a room from a guy, first of all, accuracy sucks at that range for both of you. So you probably won't hit more than not. And then uh, the damage is also reduced if you do hit. So what ends up happening, though, this is like maybe a nod towards some realism, right? Because like maybe it hurts less if you get shot from further away. I don't fucking know. But I feel like it's more of a shotgun thing more than anything. But in practice, what ends up happening, and it sounds like you had this too, is because enemies do like significantly more damage if they are right in your face, they like to put enemies like right around the corner of a door or some bullshit. So when you open a door and you walk into a room, if there is an SS guy standing right there and he shoots you, you will take like 50 to 70 points of damage in a single shot, which is insane. And you could tell the developers knew that this was an issue because at least on Don't Hurt Me, there's a plethora of health pickups. Yes, they are everywhere. That's kind of an admittance of, yeah, we couldn't exactly code this correctly to scale to make everything make sense. But at least we're putting turkey and and first aid kits almost everywhere for you to find. So does that make it okay? No, it doesn't make it okay. It does (laughs) not make it okay. I and here's it. You're right in terms of the erraticness of it and the randomness of it, because I would find enemies doing six percent damage at the same range. They would do 20 to 40 percent damage. Mm-hmm. It, it nothing made sense. There was no rhyme or reason. It just became don't get hit. And if you do get hit, hope that you don't get hit for the for the most amount of damage. It, it just nothing really made sense and the randomness that they would just pop out behind corners and stuff like that i get that it's it's a game based off memorization and it's a little bit arcadey okay but because the damage is so erratic it just compounds the frustration of what's going on while you're just trying to navigate your way through a very similar level structure and everything looks the same yeah and i can't imagine playing this on i guess just the default difficulty or hell heaven forbid death incarnate well i mean that's for experienced players that's okay well sure but my point is i can't imagine playing it with the intended control scheme no because there are so many times when there are enemies just hiding in corners waiting to ambush you and then do like 70 points of damage in a single shot the fact that your response to that is press and wait for the fucking keyboard turn to happen (laughs) You're probably just going to get shot again and die. Yep. 
because it takes so long to turn in comparison to how quickly the action is happening. Again, fortunately, because I had that mod, I was able to, you know, use the, the mouse look. And so I could just like whip around and shoot them real quick. And so it wasn't as big of an issue, but in the maybe handful of times that I did die while playing through this, and I did still die even on don't hurt me difficulty. And I kept track of this every single time that I died. It was because of this like huge damage spike for seemingly no reason. I'm still holding to my theory that it has to do with proximity, but I agree. But yeah, so it's just it doesn't feel good. And and I think your point, though, about like saving, it's interesting because I don't know why this game has lives at all. No, I don't either. Because it, they're superfluous, right? Like you can save at any time in the PC version. It's much better to just get in a habit of saving every so often throughout a level or hell, even bare minimum, just saving at the beginning of every level. Although I wouldn't want to redo an entire level if I died, but that's up to you. No. Rather than like dying and starting over. Cause if you die and you lose a life and you start the level over again without like reloading a save, you start from scratch, like with just eight bullets, your pistol and a knife. And that's fucking it. And there's not additional weapons in every level. Right. And not every level will have those upgrades again. So like you could just straight up lose them and then be trying to fight through a later level with your fucking pistol. So I don't understand that. Yeah. Also, that would mean to me, I would think that the ports would actually be even more difficult because the console ports do not allow you to save mid level. You can only save in between levels. Well, that would suck. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know what the rationale there was other than just kind of there's this carryover of some of those like arcade sensibilities, I guess. Oh, it's a it's a carryover. And I, I will reference and you reference this as well, like reviewer says arcadey and, and anyone listens or watches, I say watch the lazy game reviewer PC. He's big reviewer on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He said the same thing because I did watch his his review. And he was saying this game feels arcadey because it's based off memorization, has lives and a scoring system. But I don't. But those are anachronisms, even of that time. It's kind of like how the original Mega Man has a scoring system, even though score does nothing in the original Mega Man. It doesn't give you an extra life. Bosses give you random amount of points. There's no tangible benefits to scoring. And as you said, yeah, lives are purposeless. So even though getting a higher score will give you more lives, once you die, it's almost like a shmup, like a, a really difficult shmup where you are left with a peace shooter in a swarm of enemies and you're not going to come out. You're going to just dive right into a death spiral. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you're getting with Wolfenstein 3D. You're getting a little bit of the hardcore go fuck yourself shmups with the anachronisms that are already inherent of the time, much like you got with Mega Man. So, yes, this is a game that is definitely trapped within a transition of its own time period. It just happened to be a novel enough concept to get away with it. Yeah. And on the note regarding weapons, that's actually going to dovetail into the one last major thing I wanted to touch on on graphics or not graphics on gameplay before we move on to graphics. I did want to talk about secrets before and that's going to be really quick, but you go ahead and talk about the weapons. Sure. Yeah. So the thing with the weapons is that there's no variety really like at all there's only one ammo pickup type it's just bullets you just pick up bullets which i actually like it's yeah that part's not bad like i'm I'm okay with that actually the thing 
that I find a little kind of blah, I guess, is that in, in most other shooters, of course, again, ones that came after this. So, you know, think of it in that context. I get it. But there's a reason to have different weapons other than just it does more boom, right? There's there's different mechanics that maybe weapons introduce or different scenarios in which one weapon would be better than another. And in my experience with Wolf 3D, that's not really the case. It's just a linear upgrade of like you have a pistol when you get an assault rifle from like the S the blue SS dudes, then that's like objectively better than your pistol. And then when you get the chain gun that is objectively better than the assault rifle and that's it game over. So there's really no differentiation there. And it's just kind of, I, I guess, almost boring in a way. And again, like I get it, whatever, like this was one of the first ones. So it is what it is. There just wasn't a lot to, to really like latch onto there. And this is something that I also have an issue with just with the enemies as well, where I think the enemy variety just leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, you essentially fight like the same two Nazis, the basic guards, and then the blue SS guys for like 90% of the base game. You also throw in some guard dogs in there and, and that's pretty much it. What about the zombies? They're zombies, right? I think there's. Oh, well, I'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So the officers are introduced later in the game, but they're essentially just like faster, more dangerous palette swaps of the, the SS guys that you've been gunning down for level after level. So not a real big stretch there. When I first saw them, I was just like, oh, great. That's a new thing, I guess. But they're not really any different. So on the note about the zombie soldiers, I, I, I have a confession to make about this game, Chris. Mm, what's that? And that is, I didn't know that there were zombie Nazis in Wolfenstein 3D because I literally never played this game past the first episode up until when I played it for the recording of this show ever. Oh, shit. Nice. <laughs> so I mean that. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that you was know? the that was the shareware, right? So that was the, yeah. the free stuff everybody had. Yeah. The first episode, you don't get that. You, you get it pretty pretty early on in episode two, if I recall correctly, but yes, you don't see that at all. So my, in my, in my mind, I always thought Wolfenstein 3d was basically the whole thing just looked like the first episode and nothing was different. So I was actually genuinely surprised when I fired up episode two and you know, some of the wall textures were different. It was a different environment. I was like, Oh, okay, this is actually kind of nice. Something new to look at. And then these zombie soldiers came out of nowhere who also, by the way, do a fuckload of damage. Yes, they do. I was, I was genuinely surprised by it. So that's, that's my, it's my confession about Wolf 3D It's for like 20 something years. I had never played past the first episode. <laughs> to your point about weapons, I didn't find it very annoying. I didn't think it was annoying. I just, I just thought it was lackluster. The way I kind of view it and maybe Maybe it's because I, I like shmups a little bit more than you. And even shmup fans are going to be like, yo, weapon upgrades are a lot different in various games. And you're right. They are. But it's essentially all you have is your pea shooter and your pea shooter gets stronger. And much like when you die, you just get back to the basic pea shooter. And that's all you have. And God, by the way, God forbid you die on a boss. And you didn't save before you fought that boss. <laughs> yeah. God fucking forbid that happens because you are screwed. Totally screwed. Like you're done. I didn't find that 
as much of an issue. I actually, once I got the chain gun, it's like, okay, now, now I can really play the game as I think it was intended. Or at least the rifle, because at least with the rifle, if you sneak up on a bad guy, you can kill them in one hit. Yeah. Fairly easily. And of course, this is on don't hurt me difficulty. This isn't on the higher ones. So if you're not getting that, that's why I'm not playing this on the hardest difficulty. Before we advance to graphics, I know we've been talking about gameplay for a long time. I just briefly want to say fuck secrets. Mm -hmm. I think they're stupid. I don't think they're beneficial in any way. I don't like the fact that they're not intuitive in any form or fashion because all they do is encourage you to just press whatever button you use to open doors. Mine was the space button, so I'll just say space button repeatedly on every single fucking surface. Yep. And they make a horrible sound. A horrible sound that I'll bitch more about here in a minute. <laughs> it's so bad. These secrets there. I don't care for them. They have no tangential benefit because it's either a shitload of bullets a or or health. That's all you get. So if you're full on health and full of bullets, they mean fucking nothing. Sometimes they include a weapon upgrade, but if you have your chain gun, they mean nothing. And if you've already been conditioned to save, because you should be, at least after the first chapter, they still mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're just there for a score bonus that will give you an extra life, which is what we established means nothing. They are. Oh, it's just for pride. And if you play for that, you can get something out of it. I 100 percented every single thing. In Wolfenstein, I found all the secrets, got under par, killed all the baddies, found all the treasure. I found all of it. Okay, awesome. You, those are for speedruns. That is not for me. That that can be for someone else, not for me. So no, yeah, no. Fuck the secrets. I'm with you. I've I have never liked this mechanic. And you know what's funny is the the one game that I said at the beginning of this episode is like kind of probably going to quickly become my new favorite or. One of my new favorites still does this bullshit. Hey, FromSoft, by the way, if you're listening to this, I, I know you're not, but on the off chance that you are, can we please stop putting hidden walls and illusory doors in every single fucking Souls game? Can we stop that? Or if you're going to do that, at least make it like semi-obvious that that's something that I should look at as a player. Because... This is the same issue that I have with fucking Wolfenstein 3D and Doom from 20, 30 years ago that y'all are still doing. And that's the thing is that like Elden Ring and Dark Souls actually have cool shit behind these secret doors, but they're like impossible to find unless you just walk around slamming your weapon against every wall that you think might be sus, as the kids like to say these days. Sus. And that's bullshit. That's not a fun mechanic. Like I was playing last night and I, Brianna was just sitting there next to me with a walkthrough, just being like, okay, where are you? Okay. You're in this area. There's three hidden walls. This is where they are because Oof. I just don't fucking want to deal with that. Like I, I don't want to walk through for the game itself. I want to find that out on my own because that to me is rewarding. Walking around and slamming my weapon on a wall for like 15 minutes is not rewarding. And it's the same shit here. I guess at least wolfenstein doesn't have the same sound effect that doom does because in doom if anybody's played doom for any amount of time you you're probably familiar with this but if you're doing that same shit all you're gonna hear while you're running around up against the walls is just over and over and over again still sucks <sighs> sorry that's it just 
this fucking hidden secret door thing is just such Fuck a secrets. pet peeve of mine. Fuck secrets. <sighs> All right. I got that out of my system. I think I feel better now. Okay. Speaking of systems and what they can achieve. Ah. Let's talk about the graphical capabilities of Wolfenstein 3D. So Shane, yeah. you are the PC master racer for the most part here. Ah, yes, of course. What is your take on the graphics from this 1992 first person shooter? So, you know what? I, I'm actually going to defer to a, a one Chris Lombardi from Computer Gaming World magazine because I think he put it the best way. And so what he said about it back then in his review of Wolfenstein 3D was that it was sparse but gorgeous and frighteningly realistic and concluded that Wolf 3D alongside Ultima Underworld, which was released two months prior to Wolfenstein 3D, was uh, the first game that was technologically capable of creating a sufficient element of disbelief suspension to emotionally immerse the player in a threatening environment, stating that he that no he knew of no other game that could evoke such intense psychological responses from its players. That's some good fucking writing, dude. Yeah, yeah, right. And so the reason that I bring that up and all credit to Mr. Lombardi, that was basically quoting what he said, is that I think that actually sums this up really well, both from from then and also kind of from now, because I think what he said about it being sparse <laughs> um, absolutely is still relevant today. And it's I find it interesting that even then in 1992, reviewers thought that. So this isn't just like a symptom of being a decades old game. Um, that was something they pointed out even then. But then on the other hand, you get the the commentary about it being like frighteningly realistic. And one of the few things that would allow players to suspend their disbelief in such a way that they would actually be fully immersed in this sort of environment. And, and I think that's the thing that obviously we're not quite going to get nowadays, but it's something that I think is important to note because you didn't have almost anything like this when it came out. Now, of course you had, as we said, like Ultima Underworld had just come out only a couple months beforehand. And of course you had some of its earlier iterations on the engine with things like Catacombs 3D. If you go and look at those, you can see a very clear evolution of the engine and the capabilities of it and the graphics and everything that went into it from hover tank to catacomb to wolfenstein 3d and that's kind of where you end up with this it's hard to put into words what it would have felt like then seeing that mm -hmm. and i think it's you know this is something that uh, a lot of other places other shows you know uh, shows we've been on even don't necessarily take into account because they're more concerned with purely a modern take on it which i think is totally valid but as yes. as the fucking old man that I am, that the old men that we are, <laughs> we were for the most part, we were there for a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I was a little young in 1992, but even when I came around to things like Doom, that was only a few years after that or one year after this. And I remember being blown away by it. So it's it's an interesting dichotomy between the two, I think. I don't know. What what are your thoughts on it? <sighs> I'm probably going to echo a lot of what you just said, because I do want to give this a break because this was 1992. 
And when I fired this game up and saw the options menu, this feeling of nostalgia, as as Keith put it in the Die Hard episode, like a warm blanket mm-hmm. came over me. And this is because I think there's a graphical style and feeling to these earlier DOS games, these not late 80s, early 90s DOS games that's undersold and understated mm-hmm. that I that that they all share a similar feeling to it. I didn't play Wolfenstein on 3D. I mean, I may have, but like not during this time. And it just made me feel so comfortable knowing that I was playing a game in this graphical style. Like I've been there before, like I've seen it, like many people associate with with the PlayStation or the Saturn or this or the Sega Genesis. Like it has that feel and that look to it. Like this is a this is a DOS game. <laughs> and it made me feel good for a second <laughs> before you started playing yeah. <laughs> before i started playing but it did have that feeling of familiarity to it i do really think that should be discussed more in terms of graphical styling because pc games did have it back then it, it reminded me it made me feel like warcraft one for anyone who's played that mm. or or might and magic one or even like uh or heroes of might and magic one not might and magic one or or just might and magic like uh three four and five uh, the very similar feeling that being said, yeah, they do suck today. They're they're <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> I think if you look at it, even going back to the brief history, like I would have look, Mr. Carmack, I, I, I want to say something to you. I would have loved a bit more variety in the color palette there, John, instead of showing how edgy you could be with your fucking corpses and bloody walls and all that shit like that. And all these like stuff like color palette in the wall. So I knew where I was. That would be greatly appreciated, John. That would have been great. 30 year ago, John, like you're <laughs> you've, you've done so many more things since then. It doesn't Both matter. I'm Johns. yelling at 30. Don't don't let I'm Romero a, off the hook either. No, I'm not. That's why I'm saying John. Yeah. I'm just saying John. Okay. The royal John. Ah, gotcha. You, go. you just wanted to be edgy and, and push things to the limits and piss people off. And maybe you could have just, you know, had different wall designs or different shading for where secrets were. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is maybe you could have done something to help me not get lost at the same time. I got to give you some serious props because fuck Puritans. <laughs> well, and you know, from a, from a technological perspective, and this has been a through line for a lot of ids lifespan is like, they've, they've always kind of been at the forefront of a lot of technological breakthroughs. I have to give them props for writing this engine completely from scratch on his own, like a month. Uh, yeah. And Basically knocking it out of the park and releasing like what at least three games based on this engine and doing that in a time when like no one else was doing that really. So yes, technologically all all the kudos in the world. But from from an art perspective, since we are talking about graphics, I, I have to agree. And this is something that we were talking about in the gameplay, um, but it's obviously relevant here is that 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 commentary about it being sparse that Chris Lombardi mentioned, I I resonate with because I couldn't help but feel that throughout the entire experience. Like I felt as though I was just running through the same hallways with the same three wall decorations, like over and over again for hours to the point where the game with just the, the base three episodes is not actually that long. Like you can get it done in a handful of hours or whatever. I wish, but, but it still felt like it overstayed its welcome just because of 
how samey everything felt. And then so that coupled with the maybe less than fantastic level design. Yeah, I don't know. It just made it feel it just kind of grinds to a halt more often than I think that it should. Mm, 100% agree. I'm not even going to amplify that. I 100% echo that. Although with all that being said, I still I actually I I don't this might just be because I'm biased to this this kind of time period as you were you were mentioning, but yeah, I actually don't think the graphics are that bad, really. No, I get it. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, if someone had zero nostalgia for this and they went and bought fucking Wolfenstein 3D on GOG for two dollars because they were like, I don't know. I heard a lot about this from the olds and went and like played it. They'd probably be like, wow, this looks like garbage. Sure. But I, I feel like it's kind of the same argument that we make with a lot of like sprite based stuff, too, in that this pixel art style because even though you're navigating uh, a 3d environment all of the components of said environment at this time were still two-dimensional yes there were not fully 3d objects at all and so you're still there weren't polygons right exactly they were not polygons and so everything is sprite based all the textures are are pixel art and so in that way i kind of feel like it still does hold up in sort of a strange in a strange way because that pixel art stuff really does age a lot better than a lot of other graphic methods, I guess. To be fair, when they ported this over to the Super Nintendo, like the Super Nintendo is hot garbage <laughs> compared to what the PC was doing. Sure. Uh, even though like most Super Nintendo games have aged better than Wolfenstein on the PC, it still outperformed the Super Nintendo version because the Super Nintendo did not have the hardware to necessarily put it on that system. So there's there's a lot going on under the hood mm-hmm. that, as you said, John, John Carmack is as as I am, you know, just jokingly ripping on him. And I, I do not mean to because he's obviously a genius for for doing everything he was doing back then. Like this is this is a marvel of 1992. Graphically speaking, this is there is no way around saying how fantastic this was in 92. It just some things don't age well. And this is this is milk, in my opinion. So while we're on the topic of things that maybe didn't age very gracefully, let's uh, let's let's round things out on our topics list with the music and sound design. Sure. So so sure. What what are your thoughts about that, Chris? Clearly, they sound very positive. Um, there's no excuse for how awful this is. <laughs> Every, everything, everything, everything here is bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Nazi death, the, the Nazi death rattles are, are okay. They're, they're funny. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, but everything other than that, it's straight trash. It's trash. How? So here's the thing. PCs. Yeah. Have, I won't say always because they like consoles have been comparable, but for the most part, they have always been more powerful than consoles. Sure. Always. How, how is this not comparing to what the Super Nintendo put out? How is this not comparable to the Genesis put out? I, I don't know. How is this not comparable to what the fucking Game Gear was doing? The fucking Game Gear. Have you heard the fucking Game Gear sound chip? It's the same as the Master System one. It's shit. <laughs> and you know what? This kick, this is, this is worse than that. It's not even close. It's so bad. It's. It, bad 
I, I don't even think it has anything to do with hardware, dude. It it just has to do with <laughs> some choices that were made. That's what I'm getting at. Like you, you, they could have done things. I've heard games from this time and they're not this bad. It is awful. There's no covering this up. You can't even say, well, it was 1992. I can't even do that like I did with the graphics where I could at least relate. No, you listen to the music from Super Mario World 1991 and then you listen to this shit and you tell me it's acceptable. Tell me it's fucking acceptable. It is not acceptable. It is trash garbage. It sounds like <laughs> shit. And I don't care if your sound blaster was installed correctly or maybe modern times can't compensate. Bullshit. It's crap. This sound in this game is some of the worst I have heard in a video game, period, especially time considerate. Uh, if you consider for the time it was released, it is it's shit. How about you, Shane? Uh, I, I might not be as as passionate about it, but I think for the most part, I, I agree. So I, I was I was prepared to give this game a pass based on the assumption that there was not a dedicated composer involved in the making of this music. However, upon further review, there was, and so I have questions. Was it John Romero? <laughs> it was, no, no, it was not. Uh, it was oh. one Bobby Prince, who is a video game sound composer and designer by trade. Oh, I'm sure. He has worked as a freelance contractor primarily with id software and an apogee and a couple other places and he's been active up until i believe 2014 when he did the sound work for an indie game as well but i think that was the last thing that he has done as far as i'm aware of but i have questions because like listen i am not prepared to necessarily shit on this man entirely because he was also responsible for doom Doom 2 and Duke Nukem 3D. Clearly, he has the chops to make something that is memorable because the Doom soundtrack fucking slaps. And anybody who says otherwise, uh, we we can't be friends. So he's capable of this. So was it a learning experience or, or yes. what happened? Because for the most part, outside of like maybe one track on this entire soundtrack they're all just between like fair to midlin as as the folks say oh you're being you're being generous or just bad or just bad like i can't remember exactly which level it was cuz i i know it gets reused a few times i think but there was one there's one song on this soundtrack that I swear to God was just like random noise. Like I, I was just like, okay, is this, this is kind of music, but I feel like they don't know what they're going for here. And I think that's part of the issue is there's no consistency or coherency to what is happening. Like some levels kind of make sense where there's like a simulation of like a snare drum that sounds like, like a war march. And I'm like, okay, I, I can get behind sure. that. That that makes sense for what this game is. Okay, fine. And then there's other ones where I, I swear it sounded like a weird like jazz experimental track or some garbage. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> like, I, I couldn't figure it out. And so 
I don't think there's any track in this entire game where I was just like, hell yeah, like that's a banger. All right. Like, no, at best, it was like, I'm neutral about this. And as Chris was saying there, I, I think I might be a little bit generous about that. The other part is the sound design. So not the music, the, the design, the sound effects. Oh my God. Mm. You want to know the reason, apart from the fact that you hear it more than probably anything else, uh, that most folks who remember Wolfenstein 3D fondly will always go back to like, oh yeah, I remember when you kill the Nazis and they scream, mein Leben! And because that's, it's, it's entertaining. Sure, it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Great. That's probably the best part of the sound design is those or are those like highly compressed like voice clips because outside of that uh i mean like whatever the weapon sounds are whatever but like the pickup noises what the fuck they're they're so grating like picking up the treasure pieces like each kind of treasure has a different noise and every one of them is terrible in their own special way like they're all just bad and like noticeably louder than everything else that's going on in the game. And again, I don't know if this is just like a holdover from like some just real arcadey shit because that's kind of what those sound effects sound like. No, it can't be. Arcades sound way better. I, I get. I don't Especially know. Especially then. I don't know what it is. I don't know how this happens. It's Dude. just. It's a real bummer. And and then I mean, thankfully, you know, like you said, a year only a year later, you get Doom. Which, granted, I feel like a lot of why that music is amazing is because they're basically ripoffs of of metal songs. <laughs> they're they're like yes. literally just like, hey, we took this Iron Maiden song and changed like two notes. So that might be why. But the soundtrack is fantastic. All of the sound effects are great in Doom. They're all super memorable. They're punchy. Like, so. I guess I, I, you know what? I guess they just learned a lot in like a year's time. That's what I'm going to go with. My philosophy is that he was, his head was up his ass and he was smelling a lot of farts because that seems to be the inspiration for every sound and <laughs> song in this fucking game. Uh, yeah. Farts. I just all farts. I, and that's the thing, man. And that's why, like, that's why I thought I was like, okay. This clearly had to have been done by just some dudes on the dev team at id that put together some fucking, you know, M.I.D.I. songs and called it a day because clearly, you know, you are underselling MIDI. Well, (laughs) that's probably true. But like clearly a professional composer was not involved with this. And I was sadly mistaken. Well, I salute Mr. Prince for his work for after Wolfenstein 3D. But um, not for Wolfenstein 3D. For Wolfenstein 3D, he he can find a special place in where Doom takes place. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I suppose that then brings us to the the final category, which is our our miscellaneous tidbits that we that we want to cover. So I've got a few, but but Chris, you've got one here that you listed. So why don't you go ahead and start yeah. things off? Uh, so there was a secret. Speaking of secrets that we love. Yeah. One of the secrets that you could find was a contest of sorts that said contact Apogee or id or or somebody uh, that you could contact them. I know this is tremendous research, but I do know <laughs> that you were supposed to report to them the word Ard- Ardwolf, A-A-R-D-Wolf, uh, which is also a brewery here in Jacksonville. They make good beer. It is. 
they were said, use this word to contact us and we'll give you a prize. But because this was a smaller development studio and they realized hackers are real, they never advertised the contest because they knew that people would just hack the code and report it. So there it is. If you ever find that secret and says, say, Ardwolf and report it to us, uh, that was supposed to be a contest that never existed, hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, and so as far as the ones that I had, um, just a couple of things. There's actually quite a few interesting tidbits that came from the development of this game, but I just I wanted to touch on, a, on just a, a few of them. So canonically speaking, in the id software averse, I guess, William B.J. Blaskovich, uh, which is the protagonist of this very game, is in fact the grandfather of Commander Keen, whose real full name is William Blaskovich II. So the next thing that I had on this list, when they were starting development on Wolfenstein 3D, id Software actually wasn't even uh, sure if they were going to get the rights to the IP, because if you didn't know this, this was based on an older game, as we kind of mentioned in our brief history, called Castle Wolfenstein. And so they were just like, well, you know what? Maybe we should have a list of backup names just in case. There's a long list. You can go and find this online, actually. But some some highlights from this list include <clears throat> how do you Dusseldorf? Also, Castle Hasselhoff, which I feel like would have been its own copyright issue anyway. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> And I'm probably going to butcher this because it's German, but I believe it is pronounced Dolchteufel, which is Devil Dagger, which consequently is actually the inspiration and reason for the title of the 2016 FPS uh, throwback game Devil Daggers. So there you go. The They did find out, by the way, that the trademark had actually been lapsed, and so they were able to buy it. So all good, and that's why they own the Wolfenstein IP, or at least did for quite a while. And then the final piece um, actually has to do with the music, funnily enough. So one of the songs in the third episode of the game, uh, you might notice a repeating pattern of beeps, which I know, given the quality of the music, you'd probably just be like, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe this is just a weird artistic choice. Uh, but it is actually Morse code that was like kind of interwoven through the track. And so when translated, it comes out to say "Two big bad wolf. Do little Red Riding Hood, eliminate Hitler, imperative, complete mission within 24 hours, out. So that's a fun little tidbit, too. To elaborate that D.E., you said do little Red Riding Hood, that could be D.E. So when you're doing this is a little military knowledge for y'all, mm. um, which I don't I kind of stumbled upon accidentally in my naval career. When you say when it says two big bad wolf. In this instance, and it says D.E. Little Red Riding Hood. D.E. is shorthand writing for this is. Oh, OK. Well, I just learned something, too. So there you go. There you go. So those were mine. Yeah. And so I think that pretty much covers our little fun extras. So you know what that means, Chris? We have to say whether or not this game holds up today. We do. It's part of the deal. Yes. It's what the people want. Yeah, I, I think uh, they are in deep anticipation mm. over this. I think they have no idea what we're going to say. Um, I, I think I should kick this off because I, I don't want you betraying your beloved genre first. OK, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I don't even know if it's a betrayal. Maybe maybe you will say it does. It's it's a surprise and <laughs> we will we will hear this soon. 
And uh, if, it, if you do say yes, I will be greatly surprised. But I am going to go first, which I think I already gave this away. Uh, no, fuck no, absolutely not. This game does not hold up today. Do not play this game. Do not pass go. Do you want to know something? When you play, when you ask somebody what was the first action platformer or what do you think of as the earliest example of an action platformer? They'll they will probably tell you Super Mario Brothers and rightly so. You know what they don't say is Pitfall. You want to know why? <laughs> because today Pitfall fucking sucks. OK, that's how it is. Pitfall was great back then. Nothing against Pitfall. I recognize how important it is. I recognize how important Wolfenstein 3D is. But Wolfenstein 3D fucking sucks. Doom is where it's at. That's the first one. Go with that. Do not play this game. It does not hold up. Shane. Uh, yeah, I think I, I have to agree with you. I, I'm not sure that there's too much else that I can add to that. Here's the thing is you actually hit the nail right on the head. It was something that I was going to say, too, is there is a reason that if you were to ask any like random gamer person of like, hey, in your opinion, what was the first like real first person shooter? Like what 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 was that? I guarantee you nine times out of 10, they're going to say doom. And there's a good fucking reason for it, because unlike Wolfenstein 3D, doom still holds up today. Doom is still amazing. You can go and play doom right fucking now, and you will still have a bomb ass time with this. You will not. And it's unfortunate, I think, because it is a seminal title in not only the first person shooter genre, but just video games as a whole. And it, and I think we've done a pretty good job of like recognizing that and putting it in its historical context and, Oh sure. You know, giving its due um, where it's deserved, but is this something that you should go and play like right now? Fuck no. I mean, there's apart from that, like if you want to go back and play an old, old FPS like this, yeah, just, just go play doom. It's, it's made by the same people. It's just better. And honestly, if you want a, a Nazi shooting experience later releases in this very series will give you a much better time. Like return to castle Wolfenstein is by all accounts, a great game. I remember enjoying it a lot. The sort of like, not really a soft reboot because technically it's an extension of the storyline, but whatever when Bethesda softworks and fucking machine games took over and made Wolfenstein the new order in 2014, which I can't fucking believe that's already almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. That game is great too. And so there's a lot of experiences that along the way that are going to give you a much better time than this. And I hate to say it, especially kind of being the FPS guy here at, at Retro Hangover, but uh, yeah, this this one did not survive the ages very well. No, no, nope. All right. So I suppose that brings us to a close on our discussion of Wolfenstein 3D. Thank God we didn't have a guest. <laughs> this would have been a three hour episode. I know. I don't know how we managed that. We were like, <laughs> yeah, this will this will be like an hour. There's not much to say. Yeah, right. Mm hmm. Okay. Lyle's Lyle's like vote for Buffy the Vampire Slayer when it was Wolfenstein 3D all along. Yeah. There you go. 
But we we are at the end of the discussion. Finally, we made it there. And so this would be yes. normally where we're thanking our guests for coming. But uh, we don't have one today. It's just been us. So hopefully you've enjoyed uh, a pseudo return to form here. If this is your first time joining us, then um, hi. Hello and welcome. Um, we are glad that you're here. We hope you had a good time. If you would like to engage with the show in uh, other ways, we make that very easy for you. In fact, we put it all in one place. All you need to do is head on over to linktree slash retro hangover. It's L I N K T R dot E E slash retro hangover. And uh, you will be presented with a finely curated selection of buttons. And from those buttons, you can go anywhere you want as long as it's related to us. So you want to check out our social media? You can do that. Would you like to become a patron? You can do that there too. You want to get a sweet shirt? Uh, You can do that. As a matter of fact, I want to highlight that for just a second because our merch store has seen some life recently. Uh, not only have we moved to a new provider, T Public, shout out to them because they've been awesome, but we have included some new designs as well. So not only do we have a late night joke that I was talking with one of our supporters, Keith, and also fellow podcaster about um, that turned into a shirt. So if you're into early aughts, uh, metal and hardcore music. This is going to be right up your fucking alley. Somewhat niche, I know, but I still find it funny as hell, which also consequently is like one of our best selling shirts. So I don't know how the fuck that happened. Uh, so you can check that out. Brutal Gorp Core. Uh, that's the the Brutal Gorp Core shirt. Yes. And speaking of Gorp Core, there is also a Gorp Core as in C-O-R-P-S shirt out there because we have decided as the denizens of our discord are aware that y'all are, are the Gorp core. We wanted to come up with a, a fun name for all of you listeners and fans out there. And so we've decided that that seems to fit the bill. The patrons signed off on it. So we feel pretty good about it. Um, but there is a, a, a retro hangover Gorp core Marines logo inspired shirt out there. So if you'd like to check that out, um, please, please do that as well. And uh, Chris, would you like to inform the people at home about what we do on Sunday nights? First of all, raw for the Marine reference. There you go. And we do play games on Sunday night at twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time U.S. If you want to swing by and say hi, you can lurk. You can just put us on in the background if you want. Uh, I don't, we're not really doing much with our affiliate status. I mean, if you just want to pump those numbers up because they are rookie numbers because we are rookies, <laughs> then swing on by and say hi and hang out with the group. We have interesting discussions uh, and themes and stuff like that. It's a really fun time over there on the stream. So once again, twitch.tv slash retro hangover 9 p.m. Eastern time U.S. I hope to see you there. I'm probably still playing Lunar Eternal Blue, by the way. It'll be going forever for eternity eternity blue there you go all right and with all of that being said until next time play with your green m&m sized tanned bald joysticks shane here with a quick message you know the one rule chris and i have always gone by regarding advertisements is this It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. 
Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like mint invaders from chocolate space or electric unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.